3: Hey, everyone. Bryce Johnson here from Bigfoot Collectors Club, and I need your help. Once again, I am asking our beloved listeners if you have any Bigfoot close encounter stories that you'd be willing to send me. That's right. Have you or anyone you know ever come into close contact with the big man himself? If so, please send me your incredible story as well as your contact information to Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com with the subject heading Bryce's Bigfoot Stories. Thank you in advance, and now on to an all new episode of the Bigfoot Collectors
0: Club. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club
4: with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's
2: do this. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Quarantine Mustache Collectors Club. <laughs> I'm your host Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host
3: Bryce Johnson
2: and our super producer Riley Bray. Hey, Riley, who he shaped his? Yeah, what he happened? Said. Why What's you going shave? on, bro?
3: You shamed of the mustache? <laughs> you got I got the note too late, man. Damn. I'm working on it again. It's coming back. It's
2: the only fun we can have as men in during the pandemic is experimenting with our upper lips. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, I just wanted to say a quick announcement before we get into it. Uh I wanted to dedicate today's episode to my beloved bulldog, Albie, who passed away uh last week. Um, he uh was the love of my life and an integral part of the origins of this podcast because of those of you for those of you that have been listening since the very beginning. Uh Albie was the dog that alerted me to the strange entity that was at my window here in this very apartment in Los Angeles that we're recording this, or I'm recording my part from. Uh, We talked about that story all in our very first episode, Episode Zero Origins. Bryce and I talk about it. So if you want to go back and listen to that. But I have to say, without my English Bulldog, there might not be Bigfoot Collectors Club. So uh, I know he's with us on the other side. And I want to thank all of uh, our listeners And our supporters on the other side who have written in um, this week and posted on my personal Instagram uh, memorial to him uh, means a lot. And Albie, uh, I miss you. Papa loves you forever. Um, So Uh that being said, thank you to Albus and thank you to the listeners. And let's get on with today's episode because you guys. I'm so excited. These guests. Oh, boy. I've been trying to get them on the show for two (laughs) and a half years. Uh, (laughs) You may recall them as the co-hosts of the wildly popular podcast, Bizarre States. And they are back with a brand new podcast, all about the world of the strange called the untold hour boys and girls, please give a warm club scout salute to actor, writer, and director, Andrew Bowser and on-camera host and writer, Jessica Chobot.
3: Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hello.
2: What an introduction. Yeah.
1: Thanks for (laughs) having me. What a wonderful
4: introduction.
2: I'm so happy to finally have you guys on the show. Like two years after I got to be (laughs) part of Bizarre States of Comic-Con. That was so fun. Um boy. I mean, this episode could last hours. I know you both have better things to do, so we'll try to keep it tight. But um, I'm very, very happy to have you guys on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having us. This is awesome. Yeah,
4: so happy to be here. I I remember that that Comic Con so well. I think we wound up uh diving into one of the monsters that you discussed on that episode later. Jess and I like did a, a, oh. a field thing in West Virginia. Hadn't oh, you brought up like the Flatwoods monster?
2: Oh, yeah, the Flatwoods. Oh, yeah. I think probably that was in that episode. Flatwoods monster is one of my all time favorite aliens and yeah. stories of high strangeness, also known as the Braxton County monster. So, did you right. guys actually go to West Virginia and investigate?
1: Yeah, we yep. did. <laughs> yeah. What? We, we went to the hill where the neighborhood, uh where the neighbor kids saw it and, uh, Went all around that area searching for Flatwoods. I think we did Mothman. We did, um, oh, there was two more. Father, do oh you my remember where the two were?
4: Oh, I can't Flatwoods. believe, I don't. I just remember Mothman and Flatwoods. And I remember going to the Flatwoods Monster Museum and I got a yeah. hat that I still have. And we retraced the steps, yeah, of that first encounter. And uh, went and walked around with an expert, looked at the land and, Mm-hmm. Saw some old photographs that were in the newspaper when it occurred. It was really, really cool. Bryce, Super cool. We're doing
2: this show wrong. Bryce, Bryce, Riley, <laughs> gotta get it. Uh I've been <laughs> I've been to the location of the Kelly Hopkinsville uh goblin incident in Kentucky and to the Bell Witch, as close as I could get to the Bell Witch Cave. It was close for the season. Uh oh. so but Flatwoods is definitely one of those on my list. Point Pleasant's on the list. Bryce, where where is a place on the list for you that you have not been yet that you definitely got it? Because you've been to Willow Creek multiple I've been to, times. Yeah,
3: I've been to Willow Creek and I've been to uh Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia, home of the Mothman. And uh mm-hmm. I think that's a that's about it. But I would I would love to check out uh Hopkinsville. Um and you know, there's there's a few places on my to go list that I would just love to check out. You know it's so it's so interesting I I've been reading um Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia and the latter half of the book is just dedicated to case files and I'm I'm act- actually just blown away at how many you know alien crafts have landed and beings have come out and people have witnessed it and it's just like you know so often we think there's maybe like just a couple dozen cases but this ranges in I would say the hundreds and it's and it's unbelievable how many cases there are and, and and it makes me wonder why some of these cases like the hopkinsville stick out in people's mind or the flatwoods monster it's it's really fascinating there's no question in there or anything it's just an observation but
4: yeah yeah well, I, I thought it was really cool when we would go to these places like point pleasant um it wasn't hard to find people who had firsthand experience or relatives of the people that had firsthand experience Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was good to be kind of have boots on the ground and talk to people that that truly believed in the in the phenomena that their city was famous for we love that big beefy mothman statue too (laughs) it's so cool he's like a big old muscular (laughs) yeah
1: and we, less, I went, I've been there again since Bowser and I went there and I actually across the street from the statue, there's a hotel that we saw called the low hotel and Bowser and I tried to get in there the first time, just looking for a bar. And we got scared away because we were just freaked out by, um, by the people that were sitting in the lobby. And, uh, cause we just, you know, we had no reason to be there. We were just kind of walking in and like, mm-hmm. nah. it, it was just all eyes on us and we're like, okay, bye. Um, Fresh. But I actually, yeah, I actually stayed there though when I went the second time. And that hotel is A, amazing, and B, definitely haunted. Like, Ooh. definitely, definitely haunted. So there was a lot of cool stuff in Point Pleasant.
2: Do you remember the name of the hotel off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, it's called the Low Hotel. L O W E. It's okay.
2: I'm having short term memory loss, missing time here. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I was just abducted. Um, We got to check that out. There was an awesome hotel that I went to in Albuquerque. No, uh, Tucson, uh, Arizona, uh, called the Congress Hotel, I believe. And it was one of the craziest, most haunted hotels uh, I've been to. I love I love just riding into town on a road trip or some work trip. And then you come across like a place that is very, very spooky. I'm sure that's got to be one of the best thrills for the two of you as well
1: oh yeah that's like my favorite thing to do
2: yeah well we want to get into all of your personal paranormal histories and uh before we do that bryce has brought in some
4: bcc, BCC news
2: <laughs> oh, that was awful <laughs> most, good. most was successful one we've had <laughs> since the pandemic. We've only done this a hundred times. Uh, I can't see your beautiful face. All right, uh, what do you got for us, Bryce? It was kind of a busy week. Uh, some of these stories uh, you guys may have covered over on the Untold Hour. I'm not sure. Please feel free to chime in, Jess and Bowser. But here we go. Yeah, it feels
3: like there's been a lot more sort of uh, paranormal news in the headlines lately. But but I zoned in on this one. Uh, do you know they revealed or? Uh, the the space force unveils more like it the official flag have you guys seen a picture of this
4: or <laughs> yes. oh, I, yeah, I told
1: <laughs>
4: i told jess about it i told jess about it while we were recording our last episode i think or after she hadn't heard about it yet
1: oh, right yeah, right I, I, when I finally saw it like oh my god
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, still, it still kind of boggles the mind that, oh, wow, there's a fifth branch to the military. It's about the Space Force. Anyway, the Space Force masked the first new service and accompanying service flag in more than 72 years, according to the White House. There are 16,000 professionals assigned to the military branch, according to Chief of Space Operations General John Raymond. The dark and blue white flag is emblazoned with United States Space Force and Roman numerals MMX1X 2019 and features a globe, a delta wing, an elliptical orbit, a white Polaris, two clusters of small stars, and three larger stars, according to the White House. Now, the design is meant to represent the vast recesses of outer space, with the globe signifying the Space Force fighters' home and the delta wing drawing the forces' ties to the United States Air Force in symbolizing change and innovation. Uh, the elliptical orbit is meant to signify defense and protection, as well as interagency cooperation and allied partnerships. And the White Polaris represents the force's constant vigilance. The White House said. And I love Trump already. He was uh, he was already like, you know, I think uh, according to reports, it's already the uh, the greatest and strongest space force agency yet. So I'm like, isn't it the only? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it the only one? I mean, but uh, also.
2: Isn't it just a ripoff of the Federation logo from Star Trek? Like, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. very reminiscent.
1: it looks like, uh, it looks like um, early concept art for like Mass Effect or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. Starship Troopers. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, as funny as it is, I'm kind of not mad that we now have a, a Space Force military <laughs> branch. That- so I'm kind of like, know, okay,
0: I'm done with
2: it's- this.
1: It's like, oh man, this is so like oh, but at the same time it's kinda
2: cool. <laughs> this is just right up Bryce's G.I. Joe childhood dreams. That's yeah, uh, the closer I'm... we get to fighting Star Viper, the the more excited uh Bryce becomes.
3: I'm kinda down for it. So uh yeah, it's uh it's a cool flag, and I'm, I'm curious to see what the uh, what the uh, uniforms are going <laughs> to
2: look <cool>. like. Pretty <laughs> cool. I like it. Oh, well okay. <laughs> done. Um, speaking of space and military branches, Bryce, I don't know if you uh, brought this story in, but uh, from CNN, newly released incident reports detail the U.S. Navy's UFO encounters.
3: No, I've I heard about it. I haven't checked it out. Please do tell. The-
2: So this dropped last week, and this is all in response to the Pentagon coming out and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those videos from 2017 and all this stuff, that's all those are all real videos. So uh, this is from out of Washington. Newly released hazard reports detailing encounters between U.S. Navy aircraft and unidentified aerial phenomena reveals details about incidents that were thrust into the spotlight when the Pentagon officially declassified and released videos of three encounters last month. The unknown aircraft appeared to be small in size, approximately the size of a suitcase, and silver in color. One report describing the incident from March 26, 2014, said. During that encounter, one of the Navy FA 18 jets passed within 1,000 feet of the object, but was unable to positively determine the identity of the aircraft. The report added, saying that the U.S. Navy pilot attempted to regain visual contact with the, with the aircraft, but was unable. So on Wednesday, CNN obtained the Navy Safety Center documents, which were previously labeled for official use only. They followed the Pentagon's official release late last month and uh, had previously uh, and, and the videos that had previously been made public by a private company which we know is to the stars academy the reports were first published by the drive a website covering auto news and military issues which obtained the documents through the freedom of information act so basically the story goes on to say that what the navy has officially classified these objects are are unmanned aerial systems uas or drones now, according to another incident report from November 2013, a Navy F-A-18 pilot was unable to visually acquire the small aircraft. The aircraft had been approximately five foot wingspan and was colored white with no other distinguishable features. So they're basically putting them under the category of drone, but they don't know who is manning these drones who's mm-hmm. controlling them so it all kind of comes back to ufo at the end of the day <laughs> um uh one of the reports says in many the, the report says in many ways drones pose a greater midair risk than manned aircraft they're often less visually significant and less radar apparent than manned aircraft but uh you know as the article says the truth is out there uh, and they're still referring to them as aircraft in these reports instead of some type of mm, interdimensional uh, intelligence, perhaps. Like uh, just another. Yeah, just another uh, uh, a drop in the bucket of whatever slow, slow disclosure is currently taking place. <laughs> I
4: love the fact that Tom DeLonge is still involved in all of this. I mean, if oh, you sure. if you'd told me that when I was a teenager listening to his music that one day when the government finally starts to release things about UFOs that he would be he, heading up a company or you know an academy about ufology, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I would have been like, well, that's not real. And they're yeah. like, no, 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 the guy from Blink One Eighty Two was really serious about all the alien stuff. Uh, oh, okay.
2: I mean, they mentioned this later in the article and like, I mean, this is only helping to keep whatever that is alive, in my opinion. I mean, they're definitely going to be able to sell it at least one TV show based on all of this stuff, So, (laughs) which I think is where most of this information is going to come out are in, you know, entertainment form and and less, you know, like actually building UFO that's going to do something. Right. But that's just my opinion.
3: What I love is, you know, I mean, God, you can't discount the the people that he's brought together. They're, they're just so high level. And uh, what I love is he's putting... So he's put out these books with author and occ- occult author and UFO guy, Peter Lavenda. And I actually really like his work because he really tries to tie together sort of uh, the occult mixed with alien and the contact experience. And anyway, so they, they put out a series of novels called Man's God and War. And they just released their second one. I finished it. It was it was really good, but he's real they're really starting to try to put together a narrative that uh, you know, that that these things are a threat and uh and nobody really knows exactly what they are, uh, whether it's extra extraterrestrial or sort of interdimensional. So it's it's all very fascinating, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think as the, in in any role of government official, anything that is unidentifiable that's flying in our airspace is automatically considered a threat until they can understand it uh, further. But uh, it does seem that Tom DeLong's kind of going further along with the idea that like if there are aliens, they're coming to get us. Is that true? Is that correct, Bryce? yeah say? i mean
3: I mean he makes no bones about it that yeah these that these things are not uh good they're not you know all benevolent there's there there's some nefarious business taking place i mean um yeah i I think he's working to that point that um very much like Stephen greer that there is an uh, an alien threat among us guys
2: uh aliens are they here to kill us or what?
4: Well, I don't know if I'd say they're here to kill us definitively, but I don't think they're here to do nice things to us. (laughs) I feel like if they're here to do a little, uh, you know, reconnaissance and research, I don't think it'll be pleasant as the stories of abduction have mostly been unpleasant. So I don't know if they're here for, you know, eradication, but I still don't think it's it's stuff we'd be stoked about. Hmm.
1: I think they're here to kill us. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a full wipe. I think it's going to be a combination of uh, testing and torturing us to death, so that we will want to die. And then, you know, some of us will just die because you know they just wipe us out.
2: Just God. imagine, I'm- like, all right, we get out of the pandemic, and then the next day, all the <laughs> just <laughs> the UFOs just start appearing over all the capitals. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. so
1: that's is- when I would go fully crazy and just quite literally do whatever i want
3: well totally i mean it is a reminder how powerless we are right i mean it can it can invade our airspace with impunity it can you know transport us through walls and and windows and it can show up anywhere disappear anytime nobody's caught one and it just seems like yeah if they wanted to we'd be so fucked
4: yeah and maybe we're i mean if you think about Uh, I don't know. If I think about an alien listening to this podcast and being offended, maybe there's, you know, many races of aliens and there are some that are looking to be bad boys and there's some that are not. And maybe uh, we're not always in touch with the bad boys. Maybe it's been a mix of different alien races over the years. I, I guess guys, I, sh- I shouldn't generalize and say this at all say out it, there. Th- uh,
2: we have, uh, thank you, Bowser, for the racist point of view of intergalactic <laughs> uh,
4: relations. <laughs> Wouldn't that, Wouldn't that That would be the anti-racist point of view, well, right?
2: I, I think what you're saying is like, it's clearly the reptilians aren't up to any good, but maybe those <laughs> uh, yeah. v- Venusians, they just want to like get us high and um,
4: maybe have sex with us consensually. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I know. I guess there's really no diplomatic way for for me to to unpack all that. I I'll just I'll just be- say they're all here to kill us.
2: You got your yeah. Borgs and you got your Vulcans. That's all it really comes down to. Yeah, right.
1: Yep. I always like to think that we're just. I, like, I I subscribe to the Matrix point of view where we're all just living in a sim and we don't know it. But this is like a SimCity uh, 2.0, and the natural disasters are about to be unleashed and the alien dlc is about to be
0: unleashed right right <laughs> they're just waiting oh for it gosh. to happen God, or the baby.
2: aliens are just like the the programmers coming yeah. in and like updating the software while we're yeah. in here we every now and then we look up and we go oh fuck what the fuck was that and it's just like the guy who's like staying up till 4 a.m while his girlfriend's mad that they're you know she they're missing yeah. he's missing their anniversary but he's got to like You know, he's working at like interdimensional EA, and the Mm -hmm. just like update is not, the delivery is going really poorly. Totally. Right.
4: It's more of like a Dark City uh, scenario.
2: No, I've never seen Dark City. So (gasps) shut it down. Put it on the web. Bryce, I think you have one more story for our news segment.
3: Um. No, I don't. Oh,
2: I, <laughs> I thought I you can... were bringing in that story about uh, the uptick in paranormal activity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I right can
3: absolutely, I can absolutely do that story. Um, you, so you were <laughs> so excited about
2: space force. You didn't actually bring in this paranormal story.
3: <laughs> there was an article in the New York Times uh that was headlined "Quarantining with a Ghost." It's scary, and it's basically about an art. It's an article about how people have been experiencing sort of an uptick in paranormal activity inside their quarantined homes, very rational people who say, you know, I've been experiencing things moving around my house, loud bangs, people like the sounds of people walking on my roof. And, uh, I'll read a couple little bits of it, and then, I'll, and then I'll bounce out like I always do. For those who believe they've locked down with special roommates, the pandemic has been less isolating than they bargained for. This is a story by Molly Fitzpatrick. It all started with the front door. Adrian Gomez lives with his partner in Los Angeles, where their first few days of sheltering in place for the coronavirus pandemic proved uneventful. They worked remotely, baked, took a two-mile walk each morning, and refinished their porcelain kitchen sink. But then one night... The doorknob began to rattle vigorously, so loud he could hear it from across the apartment, yet no one was there. In mid-April, Mr. Gomez was in bed when a nearby window shade began shaking against the window frame so intensely despite the fact that the window was closed. An adjacent window shade remained perfectly still. The cats were all accounted for and no bug nor bird nor any other small creature had gotten stuck there that Mr. Gomez thought it was an earthquake. He says, quote, I very seriously hid myself under the comforter like you see in horror movies because it really did freak me out, he said. And they actually go on to interview a friend of the show and one of our favorite guests, John E.L. Tenney, um, who describes himself as a paranormal researcher and is a former host of the TV show Ghost Stalkers. Mr. Tenney has seen something like this before. In 1999, immediately before Y2K, he witnessed a spike in reported ghost and poltergeist activity, as well as UFO sightings, which, in his experience, are also on the rise in this very moment. It does seem to have something to do with our heightened state of anxiety, our hypervigilance, he said. Mr. Tenney has no doubt that the vast majority of these cases in his inbox are completely explainable in nature. When the sun comes up and the houses start to warm up, they're usually at work. They're not used to hearing the bricks pop and the wood expand. He said, "It's not that the house wasn't making those sounds. They just never had the time to notice it." Uh, so he's saying, "Yeah, just a lot of people are at home and are, uh, but that doesn't that doesn't explain window shades flapping and and you know uh, doorknobs shaking vigorously. That doesn't happen when a and house." And the article
2: is goes up. on to talk about more and more people having these weird experiences <laughs> while yeah. in quarantine. I love it
3: man. Uh, I, I think there I think he's onto something man. I do think there's like an uptick in in sort of paranormal activity and I know I've been seeing UFOs and it's funny a friend of mine uh he's been sending me these videos Mike he's like I've got no one else to send this to but what is that in the sky? And I'm like uh <laughs> I don't know man it looks pretty interesting to me. Um so yeah, I think people are seeing all different kinds of shit man.
4: Could it also be that just that uh you know, people are are home and they're bothering these ghosts because they're just they're not giving yeah. them any space. You know, my cats feel that <laughs> like way about me. Pissed, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's uh, so just a little like, agitated with each other. Like
2: this is my Ellen time, and you are right. watching your tenth <laughs> episode
4: of British Bake Off. Right. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I mean, I'm shake a, this
4: window now.
1: I'm in a constant state of anxiety in life in general. And I never see any ghosts. <laughs> <It's>
4: like, <laughs> True. Like,
1: dang it. I mean, I've had a couple weird things happen, but, but I've never seen an actual apparition.
3: Well, that's the perfect segue. Can you guys tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into this subject and what sort of personal paranormal experiences you guys have had?
2: Well, I think that is a great teaser question, but we're going to take a quick break, Bryce. And then when we come back, we're going to ask them all about that. Great all right we're back with jessica chobot and andrew bowser of the untold hour and we've just asked them guys what is your personal paranormal history
4: (laughs) well uh i've told this story on on our podcast before. Well, it's not really a, a, a standalone story. It's just about how I grew up. <clears throat> it sounds like I'm getting emotional, but I'm not. I uh man. <clears it's <clears <throat> hold, a safe
2: place. Let me take
4: a sip of this Lacroix. Well, now you're just going to burn Basically, yeah, I know. Um I grew up pretty religious. I grew up in a uh a Christian home and so it my first like even just in my introduction to the supernatural was was you know demons and praying to god and the reality of like being saved. i remember having nightmares as a kid and you know praying to jesus that he would not let me have these crazy dreams And then I just go to sleep and have dreams of like Jesus battling these giant demons on a hill and me sitting there with my pet monster watching him. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I had really, really vivid dreams when I was a kid. And that was before I got into (laughs) horror movies or comic books or anything. I like how you're
2: trying to incorporate my pet monster into your larger
4: religious upbringing. Yeah, exactly. I (laughs) was. I
2: guess. He's explained by the fact that he's the monster that helps me fight demons?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the uh one of the apostles in my book. Um <laughs> but uh so I just I always was kind of opened up to it, I guess, or the idea of the supernatural, but it was through that lens specifically which then can become obviously a very limiting lens because everything's either an angel or a demon. It's mm-hmm. not there's no ghosts, there's no aliens. Everything is evil or good. And that's it. And it's all very binary. Um, and, uh, but I think because I grew up and it wasn't really the most sheltered upbringing, but because it was somewhat sheltered, then I, I grew a really strong hunger for horror movies and the darker things. And I mean, to this day, my mom's like, I don't know why you're into all that shit. You didn't like it when you were a kid. And it's like, well, no, I wasn't allowed to like it as a kid. So then it exploded. And now my interest you know it just goes far beyond what i i think i thought i understood about that stuff as a kid but then personally um i mean i've we've been ghost hunting jess and i have experienced some things that uh, i i would argue that one of our experiences although it's not super super juicy but was like really <laughs> a really great payoff for a ghost hunt we did it at an old theater mm-hmm. in san pedro mm-hmm. um well, i used to go I used to go ghost hunting at a hospital in Maryland, this abandoned hospital, and was with a buddy one night where, when he saw an apparition, and I was so jealous. And I know this guy, still known to this day, and he wasn't the type to make something up. He didn't want to go. He was so terrified, and he saw a man in a hospital gown standing at the end of the hallway. And, uh, and this was a tuberculosis hospital that had been shut down for like 30 years. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I have never did you seen... see him
2: from behind because we all know those hospital accounts
4: yeah. are He's not soft, forgiving. Huh? He, and that's what led for to me uh, writing my screenplay Ghost Butt, which <laughs> I'm hoping to get going this new year. Um but no, so I just grew yeah, I grew up just having a strong fascination for it, and a lot of it was because of these dreams I would have as a kid that were really, really uh Oh my I god. Know, I what?
1: just came up with the tagline for
4: Ghost Butt. Oh gosh. That's it
1: crack open the truth
4: oh, <laughs> awesome. well there you go um yeah and then oh and also in maryland where i grew up there was a an urban legend about the goat man of prince george's county
2: oh please
4: and please. was obsessed with the goat man was obsessed there was this old uh bridge you could drive onto and uh if you if you stopped your car and turned off your lights and sat on the old bridge in a minute you would like hear his hooves coming along the the metal grating of the bridge and oh, your car wow. wouldn't start they would say they'd say if you if you hear his hooves then it's too late the car's not going to start and you're going to be trapped out there we go out looking for the goat man um yeah there's a lot of stories about the goat man i made a, a really small experimental film about it uh, eventually and explored my obsession that way
2: can people watch that is that a yeah
4: yeah it's i mean it's about it's probably about 10 years old so it's uh you know, it was very low, low budget, but it, yeah, I think it's on Amazon to buy. I think it's, or it might even be on, um, it might even be on the, the distribution ch- uh, company's YouTube. If you just look up Jimmy Tupper versus the goat man of Bowie, you'll find it. That's the name yeah, of it. A great time. Yeah. 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 And then when I started working, uh, at Nerdist, I met Jess and found out that she also grew up with, uh, She was always, you were more into aliens, though, than I ever was. I was never heavy into aliens.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm like halfway down the alien track. Like, I find them interesting, but I don't get super, super, super obsessed. Yeah. Like, like I'm into it enough that I can get scared by it, but I'm not so into it that I feel the need to go sit on a mountainside somewhere for hours on end looking, even though I have done that.
2: In Um, other words, it doesn't interrupt interrupt your life.
1: No. The way that I just
2: interrupted you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, not exactly. Not like that. Yes. (laughs) Um, for me, it was, uh, gosh, how did it start? I mean, I was a library kid. So in, um, like around sixth grade, when everybody would go outside to play, I was trying to hop on to, um, I would skip, I would skip like recess and I'd go to the library to try and play Oregon trail, but all the other people that beat me to it before, Uh, My class was released, usually squatted there for the whole time. So in an effort to try and get on one of those systems, I would sit in the library trying to make everybody feel uncomfortable and passing the time I'd start reading, you know, um, I think the first one I picked up was like Salem witch trial history, which I don't know why that was in my library, but it was. And then that kind of led to witchcraft in general And then that led to um, mythology, which then led to, like, time-life books, which then led to UFOs and lost worlds. And so I kind of am a, um, uh, what would you call it, like a uh, jack-of-all-trades master of none, where I I like a little bit of all of it. Mm. But I would say my leaning is more into ghosts slash the occult more than, uh, like, cryptids and aliens per se, even though I have, I do truly feel like I have seen UFOs multiple times now, two times. Really? Yeah. Once was, I was, uh, I used to go to uh, college out in Ohio and my parents lived in Michigan and I would, it's a two lane highway. And so anytime I'd try to visit, I would go really late at night so that I wouldn't hit any traffic because you would always have this kind of like pop up, uh, construction that would block all everything for miles so i'd wait and i would drive by myself and so i was making that trip and right around the toledo area where it basically you pass toledo heading into ohio it goes into just flat farmland as far as the eye can see there's nothing out there or at least not that i was aware of it's just empty and and super dark like the only thing you have that has any lights on it is occasional um your headlights and occasional lights above the highway during an overpass and that's it everything it's just black and um I was driving along and I happened to look off to the side and it was probably like one in the morning and I saw these three really really bright like so bright it even made me squint in the car like lights shining kind of in my direction.
4: Oh, wow.
1: And I was like, huh, oh, that seems weird. And they were so bright that it was kind of hard to tell how close they were to the horizon line or even where the horizon was because everything was so black. You had nothing to compare it to. And then um, I couldn't even tell really how high up they were, if they were high at all. But I was still thinking like, oh, that wow, that's really weird, but it's probably an airplane. And right when I was thinking, wow, but that airplane's really bright, <laughs> uh, the top, it was kind of in a triangle formation. The top light flew straight up, and the two lights on the side flew in opposite directions so quickly that I couldn't even really see them move. I could only tell they moved because I could see the light trails that they left behind. Whoa. That's a great sighting. Yeah, I was freaking out because I was by myself and I was like oh here it comes here it comes they're coming to get me they they read my mind they knew I noticed and now I'm fucked <laughs> so, I started, heard the
2: podcast.
1: Yeah, so I started checking my um my clock in my car to make sure that I wasn't missing any time oh that's the so only- great reference i had to any of the alien stuff at that time because this was like what mid 90s yeah. was um or early 2000s was uh actually no it'd still be the 90s was um like fire in the sky yep. uh you know close Encounters files
2: had a big yeah. missing time stuff cocoon yeah.
1: i was like man what you know uh so i was just like well, what am i gonna do and um and uh yeah so Uh, There was that. And then the other one was recently, I've actually started a show with Discovery called Expedition X, where we travel around the world and investigate anything from hauntings to cryptids to UFO sightings. And we went to uh, Seattle at this one mountain that they have up there. Um, It's not, uh, oh, what is it? It's
2: Mount Adams?
1: I think, yes. Yes, I think it is. uh, Well, there's
2: Rainier... Mount St. Helens is Mount I think Adams... It's
1: Adams. I think I... it's Adams. That
2: was the one Jim Perry talked about on the show, correct? Yes. Right? Mm, yeah, I think it was. Yep.
1: Yeah, I th- where they pretty much see UFO sightings every night, and there, there's some people that suspect there's an actual like UFO hangar at the top of the mountain. I do not think there's a hangar there, and in fact, I feel like my show proved that there wasn't. But there's definitely something weird there because while we were shooting. We absolutely 100% saw weird lights in the sky that we couldn't weird. explain. So stuff like that. Um, we went to Island of the Dolls for one, and that was like my first hard time, uh, hardcore, like, ghost experience. Even though I didn't see an apparition, something was messing Where with Where is add. this
2: place that I never want to step foot upon?
1: Uh, if you search Island of the Dolls in Mexico, Mexico City, you will you will find it. Or watch the show. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, so that place was pretty hardcore, too. So, um. but anyway, long story short, yeah, so my whole thing started in around fifth grade, and it was always kind of a hobby of mine in the background, and then finally I got to a point in my life where I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do whatever I want to do now, so I'm going to start uh, doing this because I tried to pitch paranormal stuff to people for years and everybody would blow me off. Cause they'd be like, Oh, you're the girl that does games. Like, okay. Paranormal. That's who that's hokey. Who cares? And I'm like, no, but I care. And then finally I ran into Bowser over at Nerdist and I'm, we both agreed, like, let's just do a podcast and, and have fun with it. And at least we can scratch the itch that way. And that's what we did.
4: Incredible. And I think when we, when we started that, there was a no ghosts rule over there.
1: Yeah. You yeah, yeah, that
4: Because yes. someone in yeah. production, like, had worked on one of the ghost hunting shows, and it was like no ghost stuff, no ghosts. So it was yeah. difficult to get it going.
1: <laughs> yeah, as fun as my yes, <laughs> I feel like for Bowser and myself, you know, and this is kind of me speaking for you, Bowser. For by all means, feel free to tell me uh to be quiet. But I feel like for us, like we always get the job done, but it's not without crawling over all of the possible rocks and and impediments that are placed in our way i feel like we're constantly climbing uphill and we always get it accomplished but it's like geez man why isn't anything just a little bit easier
4: yeah
2: for sure well at least it sounds like you guys have the partnership that helps you overcome those kind of situations which is really great um yeah. I I think Jess, I think you're like Bryce and I and Riley too. You know, we got indoctrinated by our own school libraries, you know, <laughs> yeah. growing up yeah. as well as our yeah. Yeah. listeners well know. Um Bowser, you mentioned something about weird dreams that we kind of flitted past, and I want to go back to that too. Yeah,
3: yeah to you also mentioned bit. Jesus fighting monsters and demons. <laughs> and I'm I'm a little curious as as about how that took place. I would love well, to hear the logistics of that.
4: Well, I think uh I started having these really vi- I still have incredibly vivid nightmares like uh pretty much every night. And and like has been written about with the pandemic they've they've gotten worse. I don't know if you guys have read any of the articles about why our brains are kind of generating these incredibly vivid Nightmares, but it's basically as simple as we're not being stimulated during the day as much as we used to, mm. with environmental change or just activity change or any kind of change. So then we go to sleep and our brains are just on overdrive, and that's definitely been happening. But I mean, since I was really, really little, and some of it's really messed up stuff, I don't mind talking about it. But I'd have dreams that I was, you know, witnessing murders, really gruesome murders, oh, wow. and it was almost before I even had the language to talk about it because i remember being a kid and and having and saying trying to explain it to my sisters my older sister and be like i don't know this guy was peeling the skin off of another guy and he was looking at me and stabbing the guy while he ate the skin my sisters (laughs) would be like what the fuck (laughs) yeah and i'm like that
2: was just you writing (laughs) your own horror movies because you weren't (laughs) allowed to watch them
4: yeah exactly yeah and i just had so much fear as a kid and i think a lot of it was I mean, I don't know, maybe the religion stuff was also to try to help me get over my fears, but it also indoctrinated me with a lot of fear, um, you know, fire and brimstone and all that stuff. So, um, so I don't know. So there was the, then I just started blending the two and I, yeah, I, I really got obsessive. I think now as an adult, I know it was, it was a little OCD, uh, with praying and memorizing Bible verses and going to sleep and thinking like, well, if I can just focus on this enough, then that bad stuff won't happen in my in my dreams. And so I've had numerous dreams where weird shit was happening, and then you know angels would come in or Jesus would come in, and it would blend into my other shit. Like I remember having a dream about the Ghostbusters being like basically. It sounds like it was going to be the plot for the Ghostbusters the the third one that Dan Aykroyd had written because it was basically they were going to hell to get one of uh, their own back or something like that. And I'd have these incredibly vivid dreams where the stuff I love from pop culture would bleed into this, you know, I don't know, this uh, impressionistic view of, of, of what I gained from religion and from Bible class and stuff like that. But then eventually I realized, well, I'm attracted to this stuff and kind of letting it stay in the shadows is giving it all maybe too much power. And so I didn't see a horror film until I was probably 17 or something um i wasn't one of those kids that watched the exorcist when they were little or watched evil dead at their you know at like uh an older with an older sibling or something like that and then once i started watching horror films i just fell in love with horror and um i literally i mean i see where i'm sitting right now i keep a tv vcr just playing a horror film 24 hours a day pretty much <gasps>
3: Is that right?
4: (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I just swap it out. And like right now, uh, Pumpkinhead was on, but I turned it off because you can hear the buzz on the recording. Um, And so, but yeah, I still have vivid dreams. I mean, I would just can, I've told the story on our podcast, but I would wake up as a kid, just screaming Jesus from having these (laughs) night terrors. And it would still happen as an adult. I'd have these nightmares where I'd be witnessing something really, really horrific. And, the fear would just start to kind of overtake me and I'd start yelling out Jesus. And then I'd wake up and, and I've done it as an adult. I've terrified my wife by waking up screaming, Jesus, Jesus. And she, she always tells me, she's like, you know who that's scarier for me, the person who's, (laughs) who's not having a nightmare, who never has nightmares. Who's just (laughs) trying to sleep peacefully. totally. And then her husband, because then inevitably what happens is I'm having some crazy night terror where, I'm being murdered or, or I'm witnessing somebody get murdered or whatever. And then start to wake up and I'm screaming and praying. And then she'll grab me in real life. And I'll like, huh! like kind of get into a karate uh, defense position because I'm right. still freaking the fuck out. Um, anyway. So <laughs> now I don't even know what the question was, but <laughs> I think that the stuff that I went through as a kid with religion kind of got blended with, um, my sensibilities then as an artist and then I started investigating horror films That I wanted to be less scared of this shit. And now I'm, you know, incredibly in love with horror and I am like a monster guy. That is my thing. I love cryptids. Um, I have no problem believing in ghosts, anything though. I mean, as a kid, someone told me they saw a goblin in the bathroom and I was like, yeah, you probably did. You probably did. And goblins are real. I just have never had a hard time believing in that shit. And um, yeah, I mean, if I had like one wish, it would be to see uh, you know something unexplainable. But actually, as I'm saying that, I did I did have an experience. I think I've told you this, Jess. Hmm. That oh the goblin mm, thing. Well, no, the goblin thing. As a kid, I went into that bathroom and swear I saw the goblin.
2: Oh, so That's you did story. see a goblin, and you were you were that little boy? No, it really?
4: was the rumor <laughs> no, was <laughs> <we> <laughs> started. Wait till you hear this
0: story. The rumor
4: was. <laughs> The rumor was started by another kid at the school, and I promise you, and then me and my little crew uh, decided to go and investigate, and we opened up the bathroom door. This is like, I want to say the fourth grade, and we opened the bathroom door, and we swear to God, we saw a little goblin standing in the back of the bathroom. No and we shit. started screaming and like tripping over each other to get back to the classroom, and we bust into the classroom. And we're like, he, he, he's telling the truth. It's real. We saw it. We saw the goblin. And I mean, we were uh, we were riding high that night. I remember going to the grocery store and running into a, a buddy of mine who had missed school that day. And I was like, "Bad day to miss, Alan. We saw the fucking goblin. <laughs> you <laughs> so, fucked up,
3: Alan. Yeah, you fucked
4: up bad. It's like that's on you." And I mean, do you remember then, uh, what the
3: goblin uh, looked like there?
4: Yeah. Oh, I could draw him. He was he kind of looked like a ghoulie, but it was before I'd seen ghoulies. But stout, green, bald, uh. kind of stocky. But here's the funny thing. Like uh, Jason Alexander and body paint. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. I went back and told all the kids that I was like, "It's like Jason Alexander and body." (laughs) But I would draw pictures of it and sell it to kids for like a quarter. But we went back into the bathroom, and uh, the next day, and it was like once the hysteria had worn off, we could see clearly it was just the radiator at the back of the bathroom, and the kind of the case had fallen off, so there were all these pipes exposed. And they were like a mess of kind of oily, greasy, you know, just muscly looking stuff. And then there was a like a piece of tissue paper in there. And it, in our eyes, it was a sword. We were like, he had a little dagger. It was a little goblin with a dagger. Um, So that was an instance of us overreacting. But then as a teenager, my now wife, we were driving really late one night through this, uh, through a parking lot to cut through to get to her neighborhood. and uh there was a, a man at a four-way stop getting out of his car and my wife and I well she was my girlfriend at the time we both look over at him and I still to this day can't explain it this guy looked at us and as we looked at him my eyes I couldn't I couldn't not see what looked like a zombie standing there this um. guy looked like his flesh was falling off eyes sunken mm. in his face it, lo- it my mind was having a hard time rationalizing what I was looking at and he gets out of his car and he looks over at me and my girlfriend in the car. And after a couple beats of kind of trying to, you know, uh, figure out what the fuck I'm looking at, I look over to my girlfriend and she says, what the fuck is that? And then once I realized she also couldn't figure out what the fuck we were looking at, I was like pedal to the metal and just tore out of that parking lot.
2: Whoa.
4: And to this day, we don't know what that was. And we talk about it all the time. We'll just be in the kitchen and she'll be like, remember that time we saw that zombie in the parking lot? I'm like, yep, I remember. (laughs) It's so weird.
2: I remember you just triggered a memory in me. Uh, This is another one of those weird things that I telling Bryce and Riley about for the first time, but it is weird when you're just out in public and something strange like that happens. I remember this one time I was a kid and when I was a kid, I go to the grocery store with my mom and she just let me run around the grocery store unattended. And I remember seeing a father with his daughter and the daughter was maybe a year or two older than me. And I remember looking at this little girl and her eyes where her eyes should have been were this bright neon green, almost as if she were wearing Mm. like, contact lenses that covered her entire eyes and i i remember it just freaking me out and i ran away and i like haven't thought about it in years and maybe she had some implants in or something i don't know but it was one of the like what what was that i don't i've never heard of anything like it i've never seen it since
4: dude i i've i think i've told this story jess but i also was probably i was delicately telling it because it it involves a kid as well but I was a kid at the same time, and this has stuck with me. And I don't know what it was to this day, but when I was in a play as a kid, we went to the children's hospital and sang Christmas carols, and it was a really transformative experience. It was a wonderful thing to bless these kids with, you know, our singing and being silly, and we acted out some scenes from from the play, from Christmas carol and stuff. But I, we went into one room, and I just wish one of the adults that had, was kind of chaperoning the whole thing had had warned me, but, and I feel horrible for the, for the young person, but they had some kind of uh, condition with their teeth that I've never seen to this day where it almost looked like there were, there was like, um, I mean, this is really weird to explain, but like magnetic shavings, you know, if you've ever seen like magnetic shavings being manipulated at like a science fair or maybe no one has ever seen, but it looked like that was filling her mouth and i remember as a kid i i didn't want to be scared because i thought it was disrespectful to feel that emotion but when i got out of that room i just started bawling and i don't think any of the adults realized how shocking it was for a little kid to see that and not have it explained have it just be like this is uh, you won't be able to you know define this but here you go and that always yeah
3: God, I mean, it it's all so weird. It does it does kind of go with Jessica's simulation theory that these things are just, you know, maybe sort of planted in our lives to like spark something or to spur us on, or they do seem like, you know, glitches in the matrix for lack of a better term.
2: Right. So Jess, I wanted to ask you, after all these years, after the things you've witnessed mm-hmm. and uh doing the show, your show, what is your do you have like a an operating theory as to i mean you I guess simulations one of them, but like what do you think's going on with the phenomenon what is it what's behind it
1: like what you are you talking about what the uptick currently or well i just mean in, in general, general
2: do you have you have you put together, put forth any kind of you know step towards the conclusion hypothesis. yeah working methodology of what is actually occurring? Behind these stories of high strangeness, and when I Mike
3: mean, and when Mike says to the phenomenon, we we've, we've sort of include everything under an umbrella using that yeah. term: ghosts, UFOs, the contactee experience, cryptids. Yeah. We sort of put it all together in one suitcase.
1: The whole shebang. The
3: whole shabang. Um, I,
1: I think you know. I well. A. I don't know, but I would say um, I am. I I think the gamer in me really enjoys the idea of it being a simulation and who knows who's running it. Maybe it's aliens, maybe it is, you know, a, a god or a goddess or whatever you think that entity is. I have no idea, but, um, but also, and for me, that's a little easier to compute with because, um, that would explain to me why some people that don't deserve having bad things happen to them, have bad things happen to them anyway and vice versa. So that kind of check marks that off my list of why, why is life like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because, well, it's a computer algorithm and you just got, you know, the unfortunate pull on that. But, um, so that kind of helps put my brain at ease, but I think on a, uh, on a more like, uh, Uh, boots on the street level the stuff that I've experienced I think it all kind of gets divided into um, like subsects. where it's like okay well we've got hauntings well what type of hauntings are they are they ghosts that are actually conscious of being ghosts or the person or the people that they were and had left behind and now they're making decisions on how to actually haunt you or is it a a uh, uh, you know um, alt universe that is a little too similar to this one, and you have a little slippery time warp here, and so it has a tendency to repeat things that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's not really. I think for me, like I've, I, I truly do not have any idea. I have no hypothesis whatsoever. I just try to take it in stride to just see what happens.
2: I think that's maybe the healthiest attitude you can have when it comes to this kind of stuff because it allows you to keep your sanity and a pretty like, you know, two feet firmly on the ground while you're exploring these weird worlds.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, for me, and Bowser and I have talked about this in the past, is that for me, the thing that I enjoy the most about um, ghost hunting or paranormal or all of it, um, whether we do it for work or the podcast or just for fun, is that I'm always entertained by it. Like I have a good time. And I think that a lot of people that get into this stuff start getting so obsessed with like cracking the code or breaking it open that they, they forget to kind of have the fun that comes along with it. And uh, that's kind of always been my, um, the thing that I kind of locked myself into. It's like, okay, well, I want to be a part of these, all these different groups, all these different people that believe in all these different things. Um, I find it really interesting. I find them interesting, but also I need to carve out my own little niche in this. Well, I want to be the person that reminds everybody like, hey, this is supposed to be fun. You know, like it could be scary too. And hey, shit, if aliens land on us tomorrow, I, we're all going to be singing a different tune. But until then, let's at least <laughs> have a good time. And you never know. It might be, you know, the aliens might be batteries, not included aliens, which was cute as shit. And I, I would that be totally movie. for that. <laughs> love the movie. Super cute. Like, who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe we'll get lucky. Probably not, but maybe we will. <laughs>
2: Like I I always say, I'm here for the stories. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I'm here for the stories. And I'm also here for the history. That's the other flip side, is that a lot of these places, in particular hauntings, um, a lot of these places, the reason they are such hotbeds and people keep saying they see or experience things there is because there's a great deal of history there as well that can be verified. And the history is just as interesting to me and just as exciting as the actual ghost stories themselves. Well, so even if I don't have an, a ghost experience, I still enjoy reading up on the place.
2: Uh, Jess, I'm, I'm just champing at the bit over here because you could have not set me up better for tonight's story of high <laughs> strangeness. But before we get to that, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of Phenomenon and uh, rapid fire style and uh, you guys can uh, answer at the same time or however you want to time this out. Uh, I'm going to say something. If you believe in it, you say believe it. If you don't, you say bullshit. If you're somewhere in between, you have to say believe it or bullshit. Got it? This game is called Bullshit or Believe It. All right, Jess, Bowser, on your marks. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. it. UFOs.
1: Believe it. Believe
2: it. Bigfoot. Believe it.
1: Uh, Believe it. Oh.
2: Little gray aliens.
1: Believe it. Believe
2: it. Out of body experiences. Believe it. Believe it. Demonic possession.
1: Believe it. Believe
2: it. The Bermuda Triangle.
1: Don't really believe
2: it. Don't really believe it. Bullshit. Just bullshit. say bull, bull, bullshit. 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 I forgot.
1: Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit.
2: You guys said believe it to so someone. Well, like, you forgot what the other option was.
1: Are we talking Bermuda Triangle natural phenomena? Like weird, creepy, natural stuff? Or are we talking we can come, Bermuda we can Triangle? Come back. We can come back
2: and discuss Like We're talking classic Bermuda Triangle.
1: Classic Bermuda Triangle. I'm saying bullshit.
2: Great. Right. Alien abductions. Believe it. Believe it. Lock, Loch Ness Monster. Ooh, believe oh, it.
1: I want to believe it so bad.
2: <laughs> Time travel. Ooh,
1: believe it.
2: Uh bullshit. Ah. Mothman, Mothman.
4: Oh, believe it.
1: Bullshit. <laughs> reincarnation. I'm kidding. Believe it. Uh, <laughs> reincarnation. Oh god, I hope not. I'm gonna say bullshit just because I don't believe it.
2: Back. <laughs> ESP. Believe I it. Believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it. Believe it. The Illuminati. Bullshit. Mm. Bullshit. There's a face on Mars.
1: Bullshit.
4: Bullshit. Skunk Ape. <laughs>
1: Bullshit. Believe it.
4: <laughs> heaven. Nice. Oh, would you say heaven? Heaven. Oh, yikes. Ooh. Ooh. Believe it, I guess. I don't I don't know that I can you get know, that I'm out gonna of gonna my system.
1: It. I'm gonna believe it too.
4: Hell. Bullshit.
1: And I don't believe it. Because I try really hard not to go there.
4: <laughs> sea serpents. And I'm a little
1: worried that it's not going to work out.
2: Sea serpents. Uh, believe, believe it. Jess, I think you're fine. Poltergeist. <laughs> believe, believe
1: it. it.
2: Chupacabra.
1: Mm. Believe it.
4: Believe it. Atlantis. Believe mm. it. Oh, yeah. I, nah, bullshit. <laughs> Life on <laughs> other planets.
1: Believe, believe
2: it. it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. Yeah, believe it. The Apocalypse. Oops, don't believe, believe it. it. Bullshit.
1: Huh.
2: Life After Death. Believe it. I
1: don't know. Bullshit.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you guys made it through. That was very interesting. Um, First of all, I want to say congratulations on being, I believe, the first guest who did not question me when I said there's a face on Mars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh okay i got two for Jess. bigfoot you hesitated on
1: uh it was an un- that one was an unintentional hesitation okay. um i think i'm so i have a yeah pop culture bigfoot like harry and the henderson's kind of bigfooty no but bigfoot as in like is there an animal hiding out in the forest or jungle somewhere out there that has not been identified yet? Uh, yes
2: fantastic right um and then mothman were you really did you feel peer pressured into saying believe it because you said bullshit at first
1: well i don't know because i do love mothman out of all the cryptids he's my favorite and he has a lot of um of uh actual like accounts that people have seen and come you know the entire town and i've been there and i've seen it and i've have heard these people talk and i believe them
2: Bussy's buff as fuck. Yeah, I
1: don't, I don't. After seeing that statue, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> that kind of throws me off. So, I do. I think that there was a big fucked up like animal monster in the sky. Yes. Do I think it looks like the statue? Of Mothman is like this buff, like lifter from Gold's Gym with wings. No, <laughs> no,
3: no, I agree. The statue is a little different than what I. The statue, and
1: especially when you see the backside, and you're like, "That's a tight ass." Then you're like, that- "I can't. This is <laughs> no. This is so like I can't." uh No, it's like the
2: the person sculpting it got distracted halfway through, and it's like <laughs> he kind of that statue looks like Buzz Off from he-man he's like yeah. not quite mothman it's true um
4: it's thick daddy yeah. so
1: i would say uh, uh, actual first person accounts mothman yeah uh statue mothman while i think it's a great statue statue mothman not so much
4: yeah you know, that story that we heard where that where the guy said he could have reached out and touched him he was so close to him do you remember that yeah. jess yep yeah whoa do uh we we're
2: we're, we we got more to go but let's hear this real quick give us that anecdote
4: well i think it was secondhand i think the i think we were being told a lot a couple different stories by the guy that runs the mothman museum right jess Mm -hmm. and then he told us about this young couple that encountered him in a uh kind of an abandoned industrial area the tnt factory right yeah
1: yeah and and we're. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bowser. Oh, and
4: just, and just that it like chased them, and then they wound up up on this catwalk, and uh, got so close to him. He kind of kept cutting them off at the pass every time they'd come turn one way, he'd be there, and then they'd double back, and he'd be there. And he said at one point he was so close that he he said I wanted to reach out and touch him because I knew if I if I did, then I'd have proof. I'd feel it, and I'd there'd just be something practical to kind of hang my hat on. But instead, they just ran and they got away from it.
1: Which is smart. And I don't and, remember and who it was, fun- but. Yeah, and having gone back there, so we went to the TNT area when Bowser and I first uh, visited Point Pleasant, and we found um, we found a few of the spots, but having gone back there a second time um, for my other show, we actually found, like, we had a guide take us further in, and it is so much larger and overgrown and, and screwed up, like, There's no doubt in my mind that something could hide out in that area and nobody would know. Now, whether it is a a natural occurring uh, animal, like the theories abound because apparently there was a lot of um, secret government stuff going on there as well uh, that has been actually verified. And so, you know, who knows, but I could see something being out there for sure.
2: And I love that. Oof, OK, well, we got to take a break, but when we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. <music> all right we're back with bowser and jess from the untold hour and it's time for this week's story of high strangeness it is my turn this week and jess boy you cued me up perfectly for this one Uh, i picked this one out especially for you guys uh and knowing jess you have a bit of a uh, uh an affinity for the paranormal side of all of this stuff um this is a story that I've wanted to do for a long time on the podcast. and was just kind of waiting for the perfect episode to do it. And now is the time. This is the story of the Zaragoza Goblin. Hmm. For several weeks in the autumn of 1934, a strange entity manifested in the deluxe apartment of the Palazan family in Zaragoza, Spain. The sudden appearance, and I say that in quotes for reasons that will soon be made clear, of a mischievous supernatural being in the family's kitchen stove would quickly escalate from an intimate haunting to a citywide supernatural sensation that made international headlines. The on family resided in an apartment building in Gascon Gator Street, Torre Street in Zaragoza, the capital of the Aragon region in northeastern Spain. Beginning sometime around mid-September of 1934, the Palasan family began hearing strange, maniacal laughter, voices, and other weird sounds that seemed to emanate from the walls of their kitchen. At first, believing the disembodied voice was coming from one of their neighbors. The Palazón family was somewhat disturbed and most certainly annoyed. But like most rational people, they must have just assumed whatever was occurring would eventually pass. Then, on September 27th, the family maid, Pascuela Alsacer, was in the kitchen lighting their stove when she heard a voice scream, You're hurting me! Terrified, Pascuela shut off the stove and turned out the lights and ran out of the room as the voice screamed behind her, The lights! The lights! I can't see! (laughs) What? Pascuala informed Mrs. Palazon of what happened. And over the next few weeks, the voice became more active and more verbal. The voice would shift between pleasant to Sinister. It would ask and answer questions and seem to have a fixation on Pascuela the Maid. The Palisans invited one of their neighbors over, who was greeted by the voice in the stove with a hearty, hello! <laughs> Soon, the entire building would be hearing its maniacal laughter as word began to spread that there was a duende living in the Palisan family stove. Now Duende comes from the Spanish phrase dueno de casa, meaning possessor of the house. In Portuguese, Latin America, and Spanish folklore, it is sometimes it sometimes refers to an entity that is similar to goblins, pixies, brownies, elves, or leprechauns in English traditions, which is why it is known as the Zaragoza Goblin. The Zaragoza Duende, or goblin, however, remained a disembodied voice, which led the family to believe that whatever this was was an invisible entity. It never actually took on any physical appearance. But that didn't stop a steadily growing stream of onlookers from showing up around the apartment building, hoping to catch a word word or two from the Duende. The Palazans couldn't rule out that this could still be some type of elaborate prank. The chimney pipe from their stove ran up all the way through the whole building. The roof where the chimney exited was high and hard to, to access, but certainly it was possible that this was just a form of weird form of neighborly harassment. But by mid-November, the family had had enough, and they called the police in to help. The chief of police arrived, promptly marched over to their stove, and asked the chimney, Who are you? Why are you doing this? Do you want money?
3: I will handle this. Let me talk to the
2: stove. And the voice answered, Now! Are you looking for a job? Now! (laughs) And who are you? What is it that you want, man? Nothing. I am not a man! The police told the Palazon family to tempor- temporarily relocate to a different location in the city so they could begin their investigation. Much to their surprise, as each officer and inspector entered the apartment, the goblin greeted them one by one, calling them out by their full names, announcing their arrival by putting on a proud display of its omniscience. Mm. When a contractor came in to investigate the walls and measure the stove, he was measuring a panel on the stove door when the goblin said, You need not bother. The diameter is six inches. And indeed, it was. By this point, reports of the goblin had reached as far as London, which called the entity in the London Times a polite Spanish ghost. A radio station in Barcelona was making plans to set up microphones in the apartment to broadcast it. Scotland Yard was even planning to swoop in and take over the investigation. Crowds by the hundreds began gathering outside the building in hopes of catching a glimpse of something strange or hearing the goblin speak. The goblin had become a genuine public nuisance, one that the governor of Zaragoza took interest in shutting down. Perimeters were set up around the building so no one could come and go without being seen or inspected. And the entire building was scoured from top to bottom, police looking for any nooks or crannies where someone might hide to perform the disembodied voice. No prankster or trickster nor hiding spot was ever discovered. Investigators were all but baffled as to what the seemingly omniscient voice was or where it originated from. Then, is it omniscient or omniscient? I guess it's omniscient.
0: I I can say it however I want. I'm the Goblin of Zaragoza.
2: Are you looking for a job? No! Then, in late November, the Goblin abruptly went silent. Two days passed, and the police decided the whole thing had finally come to an end. A priest was brought in to sanctify and cleanse the space, and the Palazons returned home. Almost on cue, the goblin's voice rang out,
1: Cowards!
2: Cowards! Here I am! It threatened to kill everyone in the room, and it shouted at the police, I am coming! I am coming! <laughs> well, That's the Palazon family prompted, promptly moved out. The governor's office interrogated the family, after a number of hours under examination from a psychiatrist, the governor released an official explanation for the cause of the mayhem. Blaming the entire thing on unconscious ventriloquism performed by Pascuela the maid. <laughs> despite the fact that many people pointed out that she was living miles away during the entire police investigation. The family let her go. They moved out of town and she moved back to her own hometown where she lived in obscurity for the rest of her life. The last day anyone heard from the Zaragoza Goblin was on December 6, 1934. Occasionally, people in the building would hear strange sounds or knocks. but Palazan's favorite pet went radio silent and has never been heard from again. In the 1970s, the apartment building on Gascon-Gator Street was destroyed and replaced by a new building. Much more modern and much taller. Sign outside the front door reads "Edificio Duende," or more simply, the Goblin Building. And that right. is the story of the Zaragoza Goblin. Wow! Crazy! Excellent.
4: Have you guys ever heard that one before? No, I'd never I have heard not about that.
1: Heard of that nope. one? But it's no. so sounds-
4: <laughs> unconscious, unconscious. But it sounds very
1: familiar to. Um, Oh my gosh, I just had it in my
3: head. Yeah, Uh, that was it. What was
1: it? The Bell Witch Very similar to the Bell Witch.
2: Very, very similar to the Bell Witch case, uh, where it started as weird sounds, then became a voice fixated on a member of the family, and sort of baffled uh, neighbors who came by and tormented them. And then the Bell Witch case, she eventually killed the patriarch of the family, they believe. So it's probably yeah. good that the Palazones got out of there. But, right. Uh,
3: and yeah. thank goodness they fired
2: their maid first before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, oh. Oh, when it, when name. you can't find a goblin, blame the woman. That's what I've always said. <laughs> right. Unconscious. Yeah, uh, so they had the psychiatrist be like, it's unconscious ventriloquism brought upon by uh, strange moments of stress. And she was like, I, I'm i not doing that. And it,
3: yeah, But so also...
2: Also, it's it puts her in a place where she was like, I it, where if she says, I know I'm not doing that because it's unconscious, they it can say, Well, you're doing it and you don't even know you're doing, <laughs> yeah, doing it. <laughs> right. Like, no win for this poor woman who has been by the way, was being tormented for two months by got by a goblin. You know what oh, I mean? <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
1: No,
2: uh,
1: why why would they call well, I guess never mind. I, I I answer my own question. I was gonna say, why would they call it a goblin and not ape? a poltergeist well that's
2: that's just i think been what has become in translation into the english Mm -hmm. language because duende is very often compared to a goblin and the family thought it was probably an invisible entity that was in there that it was actually this little trickster a duende this trickster kind of spirit that haunts a house so that's kind of what they thought it was but and it wasn't super poltergeist either because i don't think a, there was there were any objects thrown around the room
1: it was just talking
2: yeah it was just seemed to all be coming from the stove and the chimney pipe you know it's one of those old fashioned wood stoves with like a metal door and then this like you know the old chimney pipe that uh cylindrical uh pipe that goes all the way up to the ceiling and then all the way up to the roof i don't um, do the throwing thing no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh And then, you know, so they all thought it was in the stove, but also Pasquale would swear it was in the walls as well. But they like they had architects come in. They had contractors. They kind of like looked at this entire building and no one could come up with an explanation of what the cause of this thing was.
1: Probably like the neighbor kids screaming through a vent.
2: That's what I was picturing. (laughs) But then also, how are they naming all those police officers as they're walking in? you know and 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 also i feel like too like i was thinking of researching the story i live in an apartment building i I, if this was happening i think i think all of us would agree on the one person in this building who was doing it and it'd be me but like you know (laughs) i feel like you know your building you kind of know who who would be doing it unless there's like this hidden secret room which is very possible where some creep was hanging out um I don't know. That's almost
1: worse. I'd rather have the goblin.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah.
3: Either way, you still got to fire the maid. Yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) Still the the maid's fault. fault. I mean, she showed up for work looking like that. What did she expect?
4: (laughs) 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 I have a really quick, funny story about uh, an apartment building that we thought was haunted or that I misunderstood and thought someone thought it was haunted. If we have a few minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I had a, a, a neighbor in an apartment building who was I mean full goth like uh he looked like Danzig he he would write Charles Manson in prison and get like paintings sent to him and he collected serial killer memorabilia I mean the guy was just like soaking in weirdness and one day I was leaving my building and and he stopped me and he was like dude Andrew can you come in here real quick I was like yeah what's what's up dude I'd never been inside of his place. He he brings me inside, and I'm seeing all this stuff. and And he's like, "So I've been experiencing something. It's kind of weird." I'm like, "What? What? What do you think's happening?" He said, "Well, there's been all this weird goo appearing on my ceiling, and it's like brown. And it's dripping down on all my records. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll hear something move, and I'll I'll wake up, and furniture will be in a different place. and And I've also heard whispers. And he basically starts listing off everything that you'd experience during a haunting poltergeist activity and he's saying all these things and he's saying all these things and i'll call him sammy for the sake of the story and i eventually cut him off and i'm like sammy w- what are you saying do you think there's a, a a an unhappy spirit here in your apartment you know i wanted him to cut to the chase and i also thought that's exactly where he was going with all of this and as soon as i said that he looked at me like i was the craziest motherfucker he had ever <laughs> talked to and he was like what And I said, what, do you think that you're experiencing a haunting? And he said, what the fuck? No, dude, I think the landlord's fucking with me because she wants me and my girlfriend out because we're like two months behind on rent. Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, you're the one that writes Charles Manson in prison. I'm the weirdo. You've got like a bat tattooed on your chest with a pug's head. And I was a freak for suggesting that he was implying a haunting.
2: I love that. That's amazing. That would totally be me, Bowser. I'd be like, you've got a ghost. And then it turns out to be like, no, my girlfriend's stalking me or something.
4: Right. I felt crazy. Fantastic.
2: All right, guys. Uh, Jess, uh, Bowser, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a delight. I knew this was going to be a really fun episode, and uh, I was right. Uh, Where can people find all the stuff that you guys are working on?
1: Um. Well, you can follow The Untold Hour on Instagram at The Untold Hour, and then on Twitter, which is The Untold Hour Pod, I believe that's what I've got it as. Let me double check. Uh... Following right now. Yeah, Untold Hour Pod, no the, for Twitter. And then um, we roll new episodes out every... Shit. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Oh, <laughs>
2: double feature for our, BCC nice. followers. Yeah, we come out on I'm, yeah.
1: Completely. Um, I have no idea what time or date it is really right now. Uh, so yes, every Wednesday we roll out with a new podcast. You can find it everywhere. You can find podcasts. It's all across the board. And, uh, and then if you want to follow my stuff, I'm at Jessica underscore Chobot on Instagram and at Jessica Chobot on Twitter.
2: Where can people watch yeah. expedition X?
1: Um, that is rolling out. I think the international show is currently airing right now on Discovery. And then I think it is doing reruns here in the U.S., um, although I don't know what times. So I think it kind of just pops up when it pops okay,
2: up. OK, but maybe we can find it on one of our streaming services. Yeah, or well, yeah, demand.
1: exactly. They're Dis- the Discovery streaming service
0: has it.
2: Hot, Copy that. Perfect. Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Uh, Bowser, anything else to plug before we go?
4: Oh, just, uh, on my socials personally, I'm on Twitter at Andrew Bowser and Instagram's Andrew Bowser director. Great. Ta-
1: well, pimp out Bowser's vids. Cause I always watch his stuff.
4: <laughs> and I do my own comedy stuff on my YouTube channel, which is Bowser vids. Totally. Fantastic. Great. We
2: love it. Yeah. Um, guys, you can pimp us out by going to Apple podcasts or iTunes and giving us a five star review. This one is uh, from Oracle Baby. She wrote, Bigfoot Boys. This is hands down my fave podcast. I laugh, I learn, and I love. But seriously, these guys know what they're talking about. I love the elements of emerging research, storytelling, and diverse guests. It's also just super fun. Oh, my God, that's a perfect review. Please give us one of those, and maybe we will (laughs) read it on the air as well. Um, All right, everybody. uh, Thanks again to our guests. I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray until next week. Good night.
3: And go get regressed.
2: I'll be forever. Yay. <laughs> All, right, see you, All right. All right. All right.
3: Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month.
0: Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.